Hello and welcome to another episode of the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and we are not talking about an important film and a contemporary classic today because it is the uh, we are just at the tail end of August, beginning of September, which longtime listeners will know uh, means the end of the Melbourne International Film Festival, uh, something that I take uh, a huge part in every year, see, you know, anywhere from 20 to 40 films in the span of two and a half weeks, it's, and uh, this year was no exception. Um, but also, uh, long-time listeners will know that I don't do that alone. Uh, I usually have a friend or two that comes along with me to the film festival and uh, jumps on episodes to discuss the films, and he's with us here today, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Mr. Toby Zarb. Well, hello, people. How are we all? That was a, that was a long-winded uh, introduction, but I, I wanted to give you a build-you-up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... Hi guys, how is everyone? I hope we're all good in these testing times. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to, to describe it, testing times. Yeah, pretty much. It's, um, you just got to grin and bear it, you know? Mm. But um, yeah, it's been, uh, you know, I think four or five weeks since uh, since I last put out a little bit of an update. Um, obviously, wanted to take a little bit of time, had the film festival going on, and uh, as, as you're aware, uh, we're in... Uh, balls deep into a lockdown here in Melbourne, so yep. it's balls been really deep. tough to <laughs> it's been really tough to get together with everybody and record and things. So, um, but what better chance to uh, jump back in than to discuss some myth myth films? Yeah, I admittedly did not go as hard as you this year, Chris. Yeah, let's be honest, you'd never go as hard as me anyway, no, but... but um... this, this year specifically, I guess I just had, um... I wasn't really into the whole... In case people don't know, they changed the format due to, you know, restrictions in Melbourne, not being able to go to cinemas and whatnot, so it was a streaming festival, pretty much. Yeah, they, they called it, uh... It w- would have been the uh, 69th year of the festival, but instead they called it, uh, 68 and a half, and... Um, moved the festival online. Um, so I was, yeah, I wasn't too keen because I, I guess for Myth is, um, I mean, last year I did quite a few films, but it's mm. it's more the the spectacle or the event, you know, going, catching the tram into the city or walking into the city and hanging around for seven hours while you watch two or three films. And, yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's like, you know, you, you kind of have to be there at that time. Whereas with streaming, I'm so lazy with all of that. Oh yeah, I, I got super lazy with some of them as well in, in that like when it hit that last weekend I'm like, alright shit, I've got like eight films to watch in like two days, let's go <laughs> Like just trying to cram them all in But yeah, you're totally right Like part of the appeal of the festival I mean, apart from being able to see interesting and great movies Is the the event of it all Like being able to go out to different places and venues in the city And then, you know, it, you've got like an hour, hour and a half between films, so you go and grab some dinner, or you go to a nice bar, and you meet up with friends, and you just kind of, yeah. Well, in, our, in our case, we finish up with a movie, we either run to the next one, or we go have a beer and talk about that movie, and talk about the next one. Exactly, and and that's kind of what was missing this year. I mean, I all respect to the myth people, like for... Yeah, putting it on and, and, and everything yeah. like that. It's massive respect and, and good on them for actually at least attempting and trying something, um, rather yeah, than yeah. just letting it go like so many other things, like annual things have this year, which is also understandable. But mm. for me, it just wasn't a huge appeal, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so uh, as I said, I didn't go quite as hard this year. Um, and I think that was probably due in large part to there not being mini passes and things to buy. And I mean, admittedly, I also get a lot of um, passes through through my work and things as well, which is <laughs> kind of helps me <laughs> be able to see more and more each year. But um, I, I ended up doing about 28 films this year. As opposed to, I think last year was like 43. So, God. But, um, I mean, I think as well, admittedly, um, it was, I, the lineup didn't, it wasn't as varied and wide as it normally is. I think last year was something like three, 400 films and this year was 113. Like, and I think that was due in large part to, because obviously like with Myth post, uh, coming post Khan, they usually have a shitload of films direct from Khan playing. Yeah. And, um, there just wasn't anything be- there. There wasn't any festivals really this year, so they, they managed to get a couple of films from Sundance and quite a few from Berlin, but otherwise it was just kind of, you know, not not a great variety, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I've, I've kind of uh, picked maybe uh, five or so from my from my massive list that are the standouts that we'll have a bit of a chat about. Sounds good. Well, I saw two. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so a free, so a free one, and then another one, a documentary that I'm yep. wanting to see. Yes, and we will, uh, we'll definitely be talking about uh, one of those at least <laughs> on <laughs> on this episode. But um, yeah, we figured Toby didn't see many this year, but we thought, why not do an episode anyway and have him kind of ask me questions about the films or kind of, you know. Right, so tell me about the films. Prompt some conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll f- first one uh, was the actually the opening night film uh which was kelly reichardt's first cow oh yes yes uh, i've been wanting to see that movie for quite some time yeah admittedly i'm a big kelly reichardt fan i understand that a lot of her films uh you either love them or you hate them they're very kind of divisive yeah i guess um like I'll, i'll say like i watched this one with claire uh we were sitting on the couch together i was on the edge of my seat and she was playing solitaire on her phone yeah one of those, if that, one of those films. Yeah, it's not a detriment to the filmmaking at all because I, I absolutely love it. But it is very slow and drawn out. Like she, she draws a long bow with her films and like <laughs> yeah. really sets a mood and a tone. And if you're not on board for that, you're just gonna have a, you're gonna have a bad time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'm kind of down for it just from the trailer <clears throat> that I saw. Who doesn't want to yeah. see a movie about a cow? And plus A24, yeah, come on. exactly. <laughs> that pedigree alone. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. it. It's a little bit different than the marketing made it out to be. Um, it, it's incredibly sweet, yeah. like the trailer shows. But towards the... Th- when it starts to move into the tail end of the second act and into the third act, I found myself becoming very, it becoming very tense. Was that... Um, without going into spoilers of, like, what ends up happening in the plot, because I know you want to see it. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, you kind of see it in the trailer, like, they're, they're stealing milk from this cow, and then it's... Stealing the, milk from the cow? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, it's not their cow, and oh. they're breaking onto the land of, uh, of the oh, okay. magistrate, yeah. and milking the cow at night, and, oh. uh, it starts to get into, well, what would happen if they get caught doing this and it sort of slowly begins to escalate and um i know a lot of people found this weird but i when i initially saw saw it i 
kind of described it to, like, the tension you would get in a Safdie Brothers film. <laughs> really? Just not, not quite to that degree, but it, it kind of slowly amps you Build up, up and that, kind of... Yeah. Yeah, where, where you're not... I wasn't, like, hyper aware that, oh my god, I'm on, like, I'm watching something tense. It just slowly crept up on me. Yeah. And, and be- I think that also helped because I was so engaged with the filmmaking that I was able to be like, I'm in on this. Where, where are we going? What's happening? Don't... Oh, my God. <laughs> so. It's a pretty good comparison, though. I mean, the Safdie brothers have that same kind of feel. Like, uh, most of my friends can't even get through Uncut Gems. Oh, man. I In the last two weeks, I've spoken to, like, three people now that have, like, said that they could not finish that yeah, film. Yeah, and to me, that's just bizarre. Like, um, it, it's a it's a masterwork, you know? It's a really well-made yeah. film, really well-acted, but I, <laughs> I just don't get it. And First Cow kind of, you know, it, maybe not to that extent of Uncut Gems, but if that's what Claire's reaction was, then I can see, you know, a lot of other people having oh, a yeah. similar reaction it's very mixed where you know you'll either find it absolutely endearing and fantastic or you'll find it boring as shit yeah yeah cool <laughs> but um i mean i i'm a little bit bummed as well like the with myth because obviously they have the opening night gala the the centerpiece gala and the closing night gala they had a bunch of those as well and they made them kind of very there were a couple of films that were appointment watching yep. like you had to tune into stream at this, at this time specific, yeah, and I did a, quite a few of those, and this was really one of the only ones that I dug. Like, in terms of the gala films, I yeah, guess. Yeah, okay. Um, the big ones. Yeah. But like you, said earlier, yeah. like you said earlier, though, there weren't that many films that they picked up, because there wasn't really anything going around. So, mm. understandable, really. Yeah, I, um, I mean, there was a couple of the other appointment ones that I really did enjoy, but I'll save one of them for, for the end, because I know you've seen it as well. But, uh, so we'll move on to uh, one that I knew absolutely nothing about. Like, that's part of the fun of Myth. You just sort of, sort of roll the dice, and I'll go see this and hope for the best. And uh, the next two I'm going to talk about uh, not only were probably my two some of my two favorite films of the festival they're now two of my favorite films of the year oh okay uh the first one being uh alexander rockwell's sweet thing yeah you've told me about that so i i was instantly in because i'm like oh alexander rockwell i have liked stuff he has done in a in the past i mean Whoops. going back to his stuff he, he was a big uh, indie film auteur, like back in the mid to late ni- uh, 80s and into the 90s, uh, sort of doing th- films like In the Soup with um, Steve Buscemi and uh, Samuel Cassell. Yeah, okay. Uh, he, he had one segment in our Four Rooms, a uh, film Somebody oh, Love. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and then recently he's been doing some kind of really low-budget, interesting comedies with people like Steve Buscemi and Peter Dinklage and things. Um, but this looked like it was him going back to his roots. Uh, sort of going a real down and dirty indie film and I ended up uh, doing a bit of research into it and that's very much the case. It, it, it's shot on black and white 16mm film uh, with uh, the occasional splash of colour in there uh, so it looks like it is straight out of like 1992 <laughs> <Lovely>. or something, <laughs> like just yeah, the lovely. visuals of it yeah. um, He is also a pro- film professor and he got uh, people in his class to crew on the film. Oh, really? That's that's really cool. And the two lead actors in the film are his kids. I was just about to ask who's who's acting in it, just so it's full indie. It's his yeah, two kids, and uh, 
Also showing up in the film is Will Patton, who has uh, been in a couple of his films previously. You'd know him as the guy from Armageddon, who, like, is the piece of shit gambling guy who, like, isn't allowed to see his kid and then, like, puts the rocket on the porch. I'm, I'm not like some people who remember all the actors in Armageddon. <laughs> Come on. He's like third build. Come on. Will Patton. Um, I know why I pulled Armageddon. He's been in so many... He was in the newest Halloween movie. How's that? He, he was the sheriff. I don't remember if I've seen the newest Halloween movie. Ah, okay. But uh, also Karen Parsons, who is uh, from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, who oh, yeah. is actually Alexander Rockwell's wife. Okay. She has, a, she has a role in it, and, you know, their two kids are the two leads. And it is just one of those movies that's right up my alley. Oh, yeah? It's uh, sort of these two kids who kind of abusive kind of home life end up kind of running away and meeting a third kid who's also a runaway and it's kind of their adventure and it's got a lot of kind of surrealism elements in there and what it's like all the budget went to music choices (laughs) and uh i i was flabbergasted to see that they actually used the van morrison song sweet thing which the film is named after like yeah yeah i I just loved it so yeah okay so it's what kind of a story is it? Just a runaway story, or like, um... kinda, kinda. It gets really dark at some points uh, in terms of like some abuse stuff. Yeah. But it, it it's just one of those ones where like not much happens, but a lot happens. It it, it kind of is similar. Like I'll throw out a Criterion one. It's very similar to kind of a Rat Catcher, is it? Uh, Lynn Ramsey film, where it's just kind of a a mood piece, but yeah. told from the perspective of kids. So kind of like Little Monsters. You know that Fred Savage movie? Oh yeah, the Howie Mandel under the bed. For sure, yeah. definitely like that. Yeah, okay. from the perspective of kids. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I thought. They, um, they run away. Yeah. <laughs> They're on the road to nowhere. <laughs> no, but I um I absolutely love this film. Uh, it ended up winning a, an award at Berlin, and oh, um, cool. I I hope it kind of gets a little bit more of a wider release. It's it's a very small, intimate film, but and it's again one of those ones you'll either love it or you hate it. And but it was just just that type of little indie film that I like to discover at Myth. Right. So. I'm going to have to check this one out, I think. If yeah, it ever comes I ho- out. Hopefully it does. I noticed there's a trailer and a few little things out there now for it, so with any luck, it'll appear yeah. somewhere. Cool. <laughs> um, similar to Sweet Thing, the other big one was a, uh, a film called Identifying Features. I have no uh, this, idea what this is. <laughs> this is one. Uh, this is a Mexican film uh, directed by Fernanda Valadez, and it blew me away. Uh, it won. It won the Audience Award for World Cinema at Sundance, and uh, also I think it was awarded the Screenplay Award for World Cinema. But it's uh, the story of a mother uh, searching for her son, who may or may not be arrested or killed by authorities trying to cross into the border into the oh, US. Oh, wait, you did tell me a little bit about this one. It was shot really well, wasn't it? Some crazy... Incredibly sh- crazy, so. crazy shots, yes. Yeah, almost like some cinema verite kind of just almost documentary-style stuff with going through actual border crossings and things as well. Um, she really experiments as a filmmaker in terms of the narrative device where almost for the first half hour you're unsure who we're following in the film. She's kind of presenting multiple narratives, but then they end up all kind of perfectly coming together. Yeah, that's interesting. And and then the last 20 minutes, half hour of the film is an absolute gut punch uh, emotionally and cinematically, and it's fan-fucking-tastic. Do you think that'll get a release? 
Yeah, I would imagine so. Definitely he- locally here, um, someone will, uh, if not, you know, Madman or, oh, yeah, you know, some, some, somebody will pick it up for yeah. sure. And I think um, it, it's going, it's getting quite a bit of acclaim, sort of, you know, being winning two awards at Sundance and things. I think hopefully it'll get a bit of a wide release, which yeah, will might, be nice. Might get picked up on a streaming service or something. Yeah, Netflix might pick it up, yeah. or, you know, you never know. Like, I've, I've loved seeing, actually, in the last month, uh, a lot of Myth stuff that I've seen over the previous years has shown up on um, the Criterion channel, actually. Oh, They've really? now got, like, Baccarat and stuff is up there. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, super I've, happy about that's that. That's awesome. I've, I've wanted to check that out. Mm. Um, but, yeah, just incredible style and the cinematography, the editing, the music, the performance. The lead performance is fantastic of the mother just heartbreaking and then it ends up getting into some real surrealism territory like almost david lynchian visuals of like you know not that spoilery but um she she crosses paths with this old man who managed to escape like you know what and is telling a story of it might have been her son that was in this group that got captured and it's you know essentially burning people alive on a giant bonfire and it's like who did this and it's like the devil did this yeah. and it's like this giant flame silhouetted devil creep and you're just like this is this is some david lynch <laughs> visuals right here this is amazing there's <laughs> nothing wrong with some david lynch visuals yeah um but uh i think the the second last one i'll, I'll go to a documentary and then we can kind of segue that into the last one to talk about but uh i watched some kind of heaven Explain. Some kind of heaven sounded on from its outset and its description sounded like a real fun little ducko. Oh, it, is this the um, old people's home? It is. It is about the world's largest retirement community in Florida. <laughs> okay, so you just Chris has explained this to me before, and I'm still in to see this movie. <laughs> oh, it's amazing! I loved it. Yeah, this, but it's. Why is it so confront? Is it co- confronting? I guess is that no, no, not confronting. Just way different than I was expecting. Like you, you hear documentary about the world's largest retirement village, and you think it's going to be like not not like a semi-commercial, but you know what I mean. Maybe, maybe like you sh- maybe you should explain what the documentary is first, because yeah, well, instead of just kind of painting this overall picture of hey, this is this retirement village that has 140,000 people living in it. It's its own town, essentially. Um, From that, they pick three individuals to follow. Yeah. And it kind of paints a portrait of a spectrum of the people that live here. Um, Hopeful, sad, bizarre. um, All all three of them have some funny moments in their story, but all three are kind of painted with a brush brush of sadness. Like, uh, one of the women, she, they bought their house there and were planning to move there with her husband, but he died. Yeah. And so she's now there by herself with no family and no friends and it's super. And it's kind of following her getting back into the dating scene and she starts dating a guy who's a big Jimmy Buffett fan. Well, she's in the right place, you know, the biggest retirement village in the world. But you don't know, but that's the thing. It's not really because it's a, it's like, it's like a small town or not even a small town. It's like a town. So it is like, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's one guy who's living in his van and just there to pick up chicks, <laughs> and that's incredibly sad. But um, yeah, I, I just thought it was going to be a kind of lighthearted look at a retirement village, but it ends up being a real in-depth examination and character study of kind of 
later in life people. Um, Darren Aronofsky produced it as well, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah I still, hmm. I still want to, I still want to check that out. I hope that gets picked up by someone and yeah, eventually comes out. I think so. I think it it, it has wide enough appeal, kind of story wise, and you know everything going for it. Um, it's shot in better than most feature films I've seen, like oh, fictional films. Well, he was only a producer on it, but it, it looks like uh, an Errol Morris documentary almost, where it's like they he's shot the shit out of it. <laughs> and it, it looks fantastic. Yeah, interesting. But uh, we'll use that as a segue to talk about another documentary, uh, one that you did you saw as well. Uh, I did. The, uh, the one that actually won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. Uh, we both watched Boy State. I, so I always call it Boys Town for some reason. I think it's probably from that Simpsons episode. Too crazy, <laughs> too for, much of, too, too crazy for his boy town. Too much of a boy Too much of a man. <laughs> Whatever yeah. it is, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Boy State. Mm-hmm. Where do we start? Uh, yeah, well, for those that don't know, it is a documentary that follows... Um, Four young men, I guess, uh, <laughs> competing in something called Boy State, where something like 11,000 uh, 1100 young men kind of get together in this town in uh, Texas, and they have one week to create a government and hold a re- uh, election for governor. And... Yeah. That's, that's the one sentence. <laughs> that's, yeah, the one sentence uh, pitch for this movie. And it just... Yeah, they lucked out with the people they followed, I guess. And it's very, very interesting. It, it's I, I liken it to Hoop Dreams, the Steve James documentary, where it's like they got so lucky in the subjects and the kids that they picked to follow that it just made the documentary move on to the next level. And Boy State was very much that. Um, they, I will say to the, to the extent that... Because one of them ends up kind of dropping out and not in the film as much towards the back half but serves an insane purpose with the, for the first half i guess yeah that's 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 true it doesn't become as relevant i guess for the for the later part but he's still a relevant part of the story but in the overarching of what the documentary is saying he's incredibly important and but, it's, you don't yeah. really want to spoil too much of it um Especially because it's it's out on Apple yeah. at the moment. Like you can go watch it now. Like, and I highly recommend you do. Yeah, it's more just yeah recommendation because it's it's I I knew I saw the trailer before I saw the movie, so I knew sort of what I was getting into. But it's not what you expect re- realistically. It's crazy to see the just the political system and I guess how young people fall into line for things so i don't want to say anything that's too yeah too one way or the other it's it's a dicey one to talk about in that extent um but it's also the one thing you have to remember while watching it they're still kids yeah and and you can judge uh, like a lot of the people like if we're talking about them like they're still kids yeah they're 16 17 years old at the end of the day and and yeah, it's just it's just crazy. It's crazy from an Australian looking at like an something that is very American. I guess. Mm. I, I guess I don't know. I don't yeah, know what to say. Yeah. It's I, I just recommend it. It's just a really eye-opening documentary with some really colourful, kind of colourful characters. Yeah, I, it's one that's uh, 
you know, I laughed out loud multiple times at multiple <laughs> points. Um, it's it's really funny at points. It's uh, heartbreakingly sad at points. Yeah, very much um, so. Scary as all hell at points. Um, you know, and they've done a the filmmakers have done a great job in kind of presenting all, like both sides in, of a yeah of, what goes into politics. Yeah, yeah, very. Or, much. or, or the type of people that get into politics I guess and as you know with the giant caveat as Toby said that like you know they are still children so you know hopefully you know these lines get blurred somewhat later (laughs) yeah you'd hope so Um, what was I just about to say Uh, after saying all of that I really want to see Girls State (laughs) I know right that's yeah I would love to see that one like hopefully they do a sequel and they follow up with it because that would be like yeah it would be interesting to see because some of the aspects of Boy State it is so juvenile and ridiculous and they're just kind of fucking around and it would be interesting to see if that's also the case with Girls State and you know but then and then from that as well I would love to see a boys and girls state like what happens if you combine (laughs) the two yeah that would be very interesting yeah probably a lot of shenanigans pretty much yeah um (laughs) but I mean that's I mean those are those are the sort of main five or so I was gonna talk about um I'll throw out some recommendations if if you get to see them at all uh Black Bear the Aubrey Plaza starring and produced film really dug that um dark city beneath the beat which is all about the um the baltimore club music scene was pretty great the documentary about the go-go's was also really fun yeah those two docos sound good um there was also uh the documentary uh, bloody nose empty pockets about the final night of a vegas dive bar yeah that one also sounds really good which was unlike any other doc i'd kind of ever seen it was really interesting to watch um but yeah i mean at that point oh probably wrap up the myth discussion but um but why not use it as an opportunity to tease something that's coming down the line oh yes um a new podcast <laughs> yeah uh for, for those of uh some of you may know i host another podcast with uh, our friend eric called you haven't seen that where we watch films that uh he missed in his childhood uh, unfortunately, Eric is very busy at the moment with work, uh, being in the healthcare profession, and also uh, he doesn't have a mic at home, <laughs> so we poor can't form, really. Poor form, Eric. We can't really uh, record remotely. Um, so we're going to do a spin-off from that show uh, called "You Haven't Seen That Classics," and where Toby's <laughs> going to watch classic <laughs> films that I haven't yeah. seen that I should have seen throughout my yeah. youth, and I just have your youth, just just in general, <laughs> yeah. like. The fact that you and you went to film school with me and you haven't seen Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah, well, simple things look, like that. I never got round to it because I was busy. So <laughs> now I've got nothing else to do, and it's a good excuse to get on mark and do something fun and chat about films that I may or may not like. Um, yeah, it's exciting times. It's going to be good. Uh, so we'll hopefully get those uh, starting to roll out in the next week or two. Uh, we're going to put them out on the old RSS feed for You Haven't Seen That. So if you want to have a listen, just uh, add You Haven't Seen That with a question mark, exclamation mark at the end uh, onto your podcast feed and it'll shop there soon. Um, otherwise, we're going to get into the habit of uh, getting some new Criterion episodes out to you hopefully in the, next, in the coming weeks. So uh, stay listening, stay subscribed and everything. And... Uh, Thanks for listening for this little mini myth episode. 
Uh, for this episode, I'm Chris. I'm Toby. See you next time.